What's up, guys? Another edition of NFL Friday draft episode number two. We got a lot to talk about, as always. Jackson Heil, Jimmy Sullivan. Jimbo, what's up, brother? How are you? Good to be back with you once again on NFL Friday. It's been about two months by my yeah. count. So I, I good feel stuff. like I haven't talked to you in a little while. It's, and that's that's it's true as well. Disappointing. Um, but glad to be with you as always. It's a weird time of the year because I'm like, I'm still in like a little of that March Madness hangover, nursing that hangover with day one of the Masters because it is Thursday when we're recording this today. So that's exciting. But in the midst of all of this, we did have a little bit of a football news bomb in the trade of Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers. Before we get into the draft or anything like that, we have to address this. And Jimmy, I'm going to give you the first word on this because I think my opinion is pretty standard and has been mentioned numerous times on this podcast about Sam Darnold, but I, I want to hear where you're at before I really go into a bit of a word vomit because I'm, I'm going to have a lot to say on this. So I think Sam Darnold has the capabilities to be a successful quarterback in the NFL. I really believe that he's demonstrated talent. He's demonstrated some ability to, to make throws into tight windows, to read defenses, to make plays outside the pocket, et cetera, et cetera. I think he could be a successful quarterback in the NFL. I do not think he could be a successful quarterback for the New York Jets. And I think there's a difference in that where you, you sit there and you say, okay, he's been with the Jets for three years. He's had two different offensive coordinators, would have had a third on the Jets if he stayed. Can this – work in New York in this system, et cetera, et cetera. Let's keep in mind too, Darnold uh, was entering the last year of his contract with the Jets going into this year. It's kind of a prove it year. Is that beneficial to a fourth year quarterback trying to prove if he can be an NFL quarterback? So he goes to Carolina, the Jets get three picks for him, which I think is an outstanding haul, by the way, to, to get a, a sitting duck quarterback basically for that return is fantastic. He goes to Carolina, they're picking up his option. And I'm happy for Darnold. I mean, this is a fun scheme that the Panthers run. Let's keep in mind that their offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, was the offensive coordinator two years ago for LSU, and Joe Burrow had maybe the greatest season by a college quarterback of all time. Now, it helps that Burrow had NFL talent all over the field when he was going up against college defenses, but still, it's a good scheme. It's a fun scheme, and I think it's one that Sam Darnold can succeed in. Keep in mind, too, throwing to Robbie Anderson. I hate to bring it up, but – it is true. Yep. And that'll help him. I think a lot, he's got a chance to be successful. I think he'll be a lot better for the Panthers than he has been for the jets. Uh, I, I would like to see some kind of an adjusted stat for quarterbacking under Adam Gase, because I think that's what we're going to see here with Sam Darnold as for, you know, whether or not uh, that was a real hindrance to him. I think it was. And I think that's what we'll mm -hmm. see in Carolina, but I'll be honest. I'm happy for Sam. Uh, I, I had always been rooting for him with the Jets and it just never worked out. I think this will work out better for him in Carolina, throwing Robbie Anderson and in ball off to Christian McCaffrey, hopefully for a full year. And I think he's going to a much better position. And I think this is a Panthers team that could compete for a playoff spot this year. I know that seems like a bit of a stretch, but Sam Darnold in a new situation, I think is going to have a breakout year this year. I'm happy for him. And I think it works out really for both sides. 
Panthers get a quarterback they probably feel better about than Teddy Bridgewater. The Jets get three picks in the draft, which is probably more than I think most fans would have expected. And the Jets get to restart with a new quarterback, presumably Zach Wilson, which we'll get into later. So I like this from both points of view. And I'm happy for Sam Darnold that he's going to a much, much better situation than what had existed the last couple of years with the Jets. Yeah, I'm going to echo a lot of what you said, and specifically the point about this being a haul. And I think if we've learned one thing about Joe Douglas, really in his first few years at the job with the Jets, is that I wouldn't want to trade with this guy because he's won pretty much every trade he's made. And a lot of big ones at that. Look at the Jamal Adams trade thus far. That appears to be a huge win for the Jets, given the drop in coverage for Jamal Adams in Seattle and the picks that they got back. And now this one where you get first the official details, just to put it out there, a second and a fourth next year, a sixth round pick this year for Darnold, who, like you mentioned, is a free agent after this season. I... I was on board with getting rid of him. And I think last year really showed, even though he wasn't given an opportunity to succeed here. Let's just be plain and simple about that. He was brought into a horrific situation with the Jets. And Adam Gase was a huge detriment to what he did. I'm a firm believer in that. I believe Gase is one of the worst coaches in the history of the sport, to be quite honest with you. But I think if we saw anything last year is that the damage in New York, it was done. There, there was no fixing this relationship, unfortunately. And it was time to move on. And with the Jets picking number two, likely going in the direction of Zach Wilson, this was an easy decision to move on. And for that reason, I'm happy. I like the trade package. And I'm rooting for Darnold more than most are, I think. Because what can you say about him? during his three years in New York where you were like, I had no reason to hate the guy. Like he was supposed to be the savior. Yes. Did he turn out that way? No, but the large portion of that being because of what was around him, the coaching staffs that he had to deal with. Let's not forget. In addition to Adam Gase, he had to deal with a year of Jeremy Bates in year one, which is just about as bad of a tandem as it gets when it comes to offensive coaching. So I'm rooting for Darnold. I I think this is a great situation for him. It's a weird trade for me for Carolina personally, because I see the spot there and I see what they're going for in terms of you feel a little more comfortable perhaps with Darnold than Bridgewater, which is interesting to come to that conclusion after what we've seen in New York and Darnold, because there's no question Darnold's probably more talented than Teddy Bridgewater is at this point in his career. But from a comfort standpoint, from a money standpoint, with how much money you're already paying Teddy Bridgewater, how much of that is guaranteed this year, it's interesting. But given the weapons he has, Robbie Anderson being one of them, Christian McCaffrey being everyone's favorite safety blanket, essentially, in the NFL, there's no reason he can't succeed here. And then on top of that, you have Joe Brady as your offensive coordinator and Matt Rule as your head coach. The guy, the Jets probably should have hired in the first place beforehand when Adam Gase became the guy, but you have a coaching staff. There's no excuses for Donald. Now this is the year you got to see it. And if he can't see it succeeding Carolina, then I don't know if he's going to succeed anywhere because this is a great opportunity for him. He's got the weapons. Like we talked about, you have to think one more is going to come in the draft with how many wide receivers are going to be 
available, perhaps a Jamar Chase, a Devontae Smith going to Carolina with that eighth pick. There's no reason he shouldn't succeed in Carolina. And if he doesn't, then I think everyone will finally be able to turn the page on Sam Darnold being a starting quarterback in the NFL. And that's just what it is. But I think he is going to succeed. I, I think he's got the talent to do so. And now he's got the right resources and the right people behind him to do it. And for that reason, I'm happy for Sam Darnold. I'm happy for the Carolina Panthers. And I'm happy for the New York Jets, who are now moving in a different direction. And Zach Wilson appears to be the guy. And if I could go back to the Jets for a second here, I think if there was a time to nuke what you're doing offensively on that side of the ball, it's now because you've got a, a new head coach, a, a new offensive coordinator in Mike LaFleur who runs a West Coast scheme, which ironically I think would have suited Sam Darnold pretty well. But that's, Agreed. that's besides the point now. You'll have Zach Wilson. You know, you'll have some decent weapons for him and Corey Davis and, and Denzel Mims, uh, hopefully healthy next year. And you, know, you could draft somebody in the, in the second or third round, possibly. It's a deep wide receiver class this year, so they could draft – what, like what they did with Denzel Mims in the second round last year. I could see them doing that again, potentially. Mm-hmm. So the Jets have some options here. And, you know, Robert Sala is looking to build his team a certain way. A new quarterback, I think, goes a long way in doing that. And, you know, you watch the tape on Zach Wilson. It's easy to talk yourself into him. You know, he's got a lot of arm talent. He makes throws into tight windows. He, he makes a lot of the tough throws that NFL quarterbacks have to make. He's in a pretty good spot to play week one I don't think he's you know he, he's more raw than say a Trevor Lawrence but I don't think he's super raw where you can't throw him out on the field like he'll make mistakes but he's not gonna mm-hmm. I think embarrass you by starting him from the jump so I think for the Jets it, it was the right time it was mutually beneficial I think not just for them but also for Sam just, just get him out of here as bad as that may sound it's the best thing really for both parties and I think you know, hopefully it mutually benefits both going forward. And, and I think, you know, it should also be mentioned, uh, it looks like the Panthers, if they haven't already, I think are going to pick up that fifth year option for Sam Darnold. So it'll be like a two year deal basically with him in Carolina. And then, you know, if they like what they see, they can extend him from there. But yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to like it. And, and as far as the, draft pick hall goes for the jets the one thing i will say is that all of those picks look awesome until they're people and you have to hit <laughs> on them so you know you can have all the picks you want uh, there was one year where john idzik had 12 picks i think and manish Mehta had to hitchhike home because he used all of them but did any how many of them really worked out so you know, you can have all the picks you want, and Joe Douglas has done a great job accumulating a stockpile, but if he doesn't hit on them, it's not going to matter. So the, uh-huh. the next phase of this is just as critical, if not more so, than trading for all those extra picks. Hearing John Idzik's name just sends crippling pain throughout my spine yes. and, and down throughout my entire body, but this is why he brought Joe Douglas in, though. It, he's here to make these picks, and this is what he was good at in Philadelphia. So th- this is why I'm, I am excited with the draft picks. And I think that's why everyone is because this was a guy who was brought in because of his knowledge of the draft and his ability to turn those picks into winning players. And that's what the Jets need. And year one, the draft looks pretty good right now. I mean, Mackay back then on a stud last year. Denzel Mims has shown flashes. They got production 
from the lower half of the draft as well. So this is why Joe Douglas is here. He's here to make those decisions. And for that reason, I am excited as a Jets fan going forward. We'll get to the rest of the draft in just a second. I I do want to say one more thing quickly about the Jets in general with this decision. Because I can't go through this again. I can't go through the period of having a young quarterback and having hope. I, I just mentally can't fathom having to do this again. Because we thought Donald was the savior for, honestly, really after his rookie year, I, I was pretty convinced he was, despite everything that went wrong in year one. For me, if Zach Wilson isn't the guy, you may lose me. Not as a fan, because I'll always be a Jets fan. But mentally speaking, you might lose me off the face of the earth. Like I may physically fall off the face of the earth if Zach Wilson isn't the franchise quarterback of the New York Jets. Because if he fails, which I don't think he is, I'll say that first and foremost. I don't think that Zach Wilson is going to fail. But I also didn't think Sam Darnold was going to fail too. And now we're sitting here three years later. He's already gone from the organization. And the Jets are looking at a quarterback. If they screw this up again, mentally, it that's going to be really difficult for Jets fans to recover from, including myself. Specifically, I would say myself. I don't know how I would recover from Zach Wilson flopping because we, we've had hope now for three years that Darnold will be the guy to figure it out. He never figured it out. They were 2-14 and 14 last year, and we're going in a new direction. So if Zach Wilson is a replica of what happens with Sam Darnold, Jets fans everywhere are going to go insane if they aren't already. I think I, I think the paradigm's different this time though, because I remember Sam Darnold's senior year at USC. Well, it's not his senior year, but it's his last year at USC. He came into that year, everybody's saying this is the surefire number one pick, much like Trevor Lawrence this past year at Clemson, mm-hmm. right? And what did Sam Darnold do? He threw a ton of interceptions, made a ton of mistakes, left a lot of bad film out there and the jets were sitting there thinking oh well, we're gonna have to go one and 15 to get sam darnold and they didn't they wound up falling to six and then they traded back up to three to get him because he had fallen that far down and the same thing happened to to a tongue of in 2019 <laughs> the fact that it didn't to trevor lawrence is very impressive the the point i'm making here is that zach wilson the the tape he showed you in 2020 there's one bad game on there and it's the coastal carolina game and that game as you'll recall ended with byu on the one yard line to win the game yep. so he's shown you a lot of good stuff you know he, he makes insanely difficult throws and look the comparisons to patrick mahomes are, are a little bit overcooked but you, you can see some of the same traits in terms of the arm talent in terms of the 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 arm strength and i think a lot of the mistakes that he makes are very fixable. And I like that he's going to be in this system that maybe won't ask him to do as much as as maybe some other teams would, but he'll still get a chance to display that talent. So I think the Jets situation right now with Mike LaFleur as the offensive coordinator, Robert Sala as the head coach, I think is a lot better than maybe some people even realize because Mm -hmm. this is a, a team, they've got some weapons offensively, but Zach Wilson will have a chance to, to show what he can do. 
without maybe having some of the burdens of carrying the entire offense. And I'm not saying the Jets are going to be some great team by any stretch of the imagination next year. I'm not. But what I am saying is that I think this could be a really good foundational year for Zach Wilson, where he doesn't have the pressure to go out and win 10-11 games right off the jump, but he can sit there, learn the offense, make some mistakes because he's going to, every rookie quarterback does, and, and go from there. So I think this is a good time to reset. I think Zach Wilson is the guy to do it with. And to me, at least, he is the clear-cut number two quarterback in this class. It's Trevor Lawrence, then it's Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. and then it's probably just fields for me at number three but i think zach wilson's clearly a step below trevor lawrence but definitely a step beyond the the fields lance mac jones you know rest of the quarterback class that that we're talking about really from like the third pick and beyond so i would i would be very optimistic about zach wilson and i don't like you i do not see him as a, a draft bust yeah, I'm, I'm in firm agreement there. I, I think to build on what you're saying, like he has completely separated himself from the rest of the pack, in ter- not including Trevor Lawrence, obviously. Trevor Lawrence is in his own stratosphere. But then there's Wilson, clear number, tier two number guy. And then it's tier three, like you mentioned, which is a perfect transition to what we're going to get into next because that's really where the rest of the draft gets interesting because – you know Wilson's going to the Jets at two after Lawrence goes to the Jaguars at one. And then three, four, you know what quarterback's going at three. We don't know which quarterback it's going to be, given that the 49ers moved up from 12 this year with the Dolphins to the three pick for a haul of picks. One that we, we don't have to get into this now, but I, I wasn't a huge fan of this trade in general, um, just with what we've seen in terms of the product for moving up this far in a draft and giving up that many picks hasn't ended well for a lot of teams, but again, different scenario. Anyways, at three, you got to think of quarterbacks going, whether it's fields, whether it's Trey Lance, I mean, I've heard Mac Jones's name at three. I, so nothing would surprise me at this point with Kyle Shanahan, but we don't know who it's going to be, but a quarterback's going at three where this draft starts and really who has all the cards right now is at four with the Atlanta Falcons. And the question being, do they move on from Matt Ryan? Do they find the quarterback of the future in this draft with a new head coach and Arthur Smith, a lot of pieces around them and a lot of pieces around Matt Ryan, potentially obviously Julio Jones getting up there in age, but Ridley had an awesome year a season ago. He's a building block there for sure. But do the Falcons go in the direction of finding the next franchise quarterback? Or do they add another weapon for Matt Ryan and say that we think that he can be the guy for the next three or four years still? Do they go after a Kyle Pitts potentially who may be a once-in-a-decade type talent at tight end? Or do they go another wide receiver route and just load up there with potentially Jamar Chase? perhaps a Devontae Smith to boost at the skill position. Here's where I stand on this. And Jimmy, I'll see if you agree in a second, but if I'm the Falcons and I'm Arthur Smith, I'm not saying Matt Ryan can't do this anymore because I've seen Matt Ryan play a lot of games. And I think he's still a gamer personally. Is he what he was a few years ago when he was an MVP type quarterback? No, 
But Matt Ryan can still play. However, you have Arthur Smith. You have a new regime there. I think this is the perfect time for the Falcons to hit the reset button. Because I think where the Falcons are right now, in that division, despite everything that the Saints are going through with losing Drew Brees, and I mean, I think that's a benefit. If you've heard me talk about the Saints recently, you know how much of a fan I am of Jameis Winston. I don't think that the Falcons are in a position to come close to competing for a Super Bowl unless serious changes are made. And for that reason, I want to see the Atlanta Falcons go with a quarterback at number four, perhaps move on from Matt Ryan, perhaps even use Matt Ryan as a gap guy for the next year or two while you let a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields or a Mac Jones sit behind him and learn for a year. Cause there's few better guys to learn from than Matt Ryan to be, to be honest with you. But I want to see the Falcons take a quarterback at number four. They have all the cards right now. They're the ones that really control the next six or seven picks of this draft. Because if they go quarterback, a lot of things can spiral and a lot of things can kind of move from there. But if I'm the Falcons with where they're at right now with the head coach, they have in Arthur Smith, a new head coach and a first time head coach at that. I want him to be the guy to choose his quarterback. That's going to lead the Atlanta Falcons for the next 10 years. And I don't think there's a better draft to do it than this one, Jimmy. It's so interesting to think about the Falcons, right? Because I think I I was sitting there and I was saying, well, if they keep the pick at four, they're probably taking a quarterback, right? Because most of the common thinking now, which I've kind of come around on since, you know, the Giants took Saquon Barkley at two and I spent two years defending it. Now I'm very tired is uh, if, if you're in the top five and you need a quarterback, you take a quarterback period. And I'm looking at the rest of the draft order and there's no obvious team, like in the rest of the top 10 that needs a quarterback, right? Like you could even go all the way down to say Washington, you know, which is you know, late teens, early twenties. I don't know exactly where they are. I don't have the order in front of me. Like they probably need a quarterback for the future. They could trade up to four, but now if you're the Falcons, you're down at 19 or 21 or wherever Washington is. So there's a lot, it's a weird decision for the Falcons because it's either draft a quarterback at four and take a a Trey Lance, a Justin Fields, a Mac Jones, whoever it winds up being, take that guy at four or where I would be more inclined to go, maybe given that, you know, Matt Ryan still has something in the tank and, you know, I don't see the obvious need to just, uh, you know, nuke everything just yet offensively. It's not, it's not the same as where the Jets are with a first-year head coach. Like, there's something to, to build on there offensively. I, I look at it and I say, you know what? Kyle Pitts is the best weapon in the draft. Wide receiver, tight end, whatever the case may be. Like, that's the guy. I, you said it. Generational talent. Incredible pass catcher. I, I think calling him a tight end is really unfair. That puts him in a box that he doesn't belong in. Yeah. Like he is insanely talented. And I think he would be awesome in this Atlanta offense. What I would think about doing is go to the second or third round and you could get a Kyle Trask, a Kellen Mond. And I'm not saying those guys would be the NFL starting quarterbacks, mm-hmm. but it is – a, an insurance policy, and B, 
a plan for the future if you like those guys for when you move on from Matt Ryan or from when Matt Ryan moves on from you. And I think you have that option. You know, the, the Falcons, to me, if you remember back last year, they played a lot of close games. To me, they're not that far off. And I know the division's tough with Tampa Bay, Carolina making moves, you know, New Orleans somehow figuring out that cap situation, which is unreal to me. But nonetheless, you know, the Falcons were very competitive last year when Raheem Morris took over the team. And I thought they did a great job the rest of the season after they fired Dan Quinn. So to me, they are not far off from playing competitive football. And I think getting, you know, a game-breaking weapon like a, a Kyle Pitts, or if they go the receiver route at Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith, to me is a little bit more palatable than, say, taking a quarterback. Keep in mind, too, the quarterback you get at four could be more of a long-term project as well, right? You take – I'm not entirely convinced. Like, I like Justin Fields, but would I put him out there week one – I don't know if I would, you know, same with Trey Lance. Like to me, those two guys are sort of similar. Like they, they have a lot of talent. They can run the ball really well. Their decision-making needs to improve a little bit as does their reading of defenses in terms of how quickly they can read a defense. So look, I think the Falcons have options and, and you're right to say that they hold the keys to the draft. I'm just not sure. I mean, they're in a tough spot. Like you, you take the reach for a tight end at four, and you miss the quarterback, then you're, you're messed up in that way. Or if you reach for a quarterback at four, or if you don't trade down, I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard, and I, and I get that for them. So I, I would be a little bit more predisposed to, say, just giving Matt Ryan the weapons, drafting a quarterback later, and then going from there. But there's, there's ways you can mess this up, believe me. There are. So there are I would take Kyle Pitts. You would take the quarterback. I mean, there's, there's a lot of pros and cons both ways. I think the question that really needs to be answered is, and tell me if you agree with this, how responsible was Dan Quinn for the problems that transpired in Atlanta? That, that, that has to be the biggest question that you're asking if you're a Falcons fan, if you're in the Falcons front office, because I think a lot of your problems can be solved pretty simply just with a head coaching switch than if that was the case. And I, I agree with you. I, I thought, I thought Raheem Morris did a good job when he came for the second half of the season, essentially taking over for Dan Quinn. But to me, I think the Falcons problems are a little bit larger than that. And they don't really have to do with Matt Ryan. Let's just put that on the table. I think that schematically offensively, they're going to look a lot different this year. And I think that's a good thing, even though offensively, I don't think that's been the problem over these last few years. Defensively, I just don't think this team is very good, personally. And for that reason, I think unless you have a big-time quick switch coming in for Atlanta, I don't see them making much noise over the next two years because I think this defense needs a complete overhaul to go with it. And my question is, by the time this defense is ready to win big-time games, is Matt Ryan still the guy? that can lead this offense ahead. And frankly, I'm not sure. So for that reason, I would go with the direction of finding a future quarterback in this draft. I I like your thought, though, 
about potentially going in the second round and going with a Kyle Trask or a Kellen Mond? Because personally, I'm a big fan of Kyle Trask. I, I liked what I saw in the tape at Florida with him this year. It obviously helps having Kyle Pitts to be able to go up and make big time plays like that. But if you can get Kyle Pitts in this draft and also find the future quarterback, I mean, that's win-win. And that doesn't really need to be said, but it's also much more difficult than what it theoretically looks like on paper saying, Hey, Trask, he's going to be the guy in the future. Let's just pick him in the second round because you also have to factor in that there's a pretty high chance that Kyle Trask doesn't end up being the guy as much as I like him at quarterback. So that could be an interesting route. Trading the pick is also a pretty decent option and maybe trading back into like, I don't know, seven, around seven or eight. I, I'm trying to think of teams. The that question is who's going to trade up to four. That's yes. I think the biggest thing. Because the problem is if, if you're trading, if you're trading four, you got to think that a quarterback is probably getting taken there. But at the same time, like you said, there is also very little reason to believe that that may be the case because like who needs a quarterback in this draft? And if there's a team that needs a quarterback, like the Washington football team, perhaps, are they really going to trade up from 19 to do that? And they just I don't know. Fitzpatrick. I mean, this is true. So like, if say you want to, if you want to trade back with like a Detroit at seven, like you, you could, you could realistically find yourself at seven and also have the opportunity to take a quarterback. Possibly. And like, you know what's also an interesting team in this draft for me is Miami because at six, after trading back from three, you have them at six. Like if Trey Lance is on the table, can you really turn that down at six? Even having Tua in the equation? Like I don't know if you can say no to Lance there. So like yeah. if the Falcons take a take pits and they move back and then at five you have the Bengals who aren't taking a quarterback, like can the Dolphins really say no to a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields there? It's I mean the Bengals are the Bengals are probably taking Sewell at five if he's available. Right? Yeah, you, you want to protect Joe Burrow. You have the quarterback. You have to fortify the offensive line. Got to do it. So you get down to to Miami. I mean, it all depends. Like, do you pull the plug on two? Because remember, this team's ten and six last year. I mean, they feel mm-hmm. like they're close, and they feel like they've got a chance. And if it wasn't for the Buffalo Bills, they'd be the favorite in this division. So. You know they've got a good defense, but they've you know they've moved on from some, like they moved on from Kyle Van Noy after one year, which I give them a lot of credit for doing. And you know they they have let's be real waffled on Tua a lot. The question to me more than anything is you know is a quarterback going to fall to them? As crazy as that sounds, I mean the top four are in position to take a quarterback mm-hmm. at least. I think we both agree that at least the top three are going to take quarterbacks, and then we'll mm-hmm. see what happens with Atlanta. But like it really, it really depends what happens to Atlanta though. Like, and like if Atlanta doesn't take a quarterback, which I think is like, I think they should go in that direction, but it's pretty foreseeable that they don't take a quarterback here. Like them taking pits is very much in the equation. And I, if I was to make that prediction today, I would say they probably end up taking Kyle Pitts. but like, it's pretty foreseeable that either fields or, Lance, whoever's available, could be taken at five. And even if that's not the case, you got Mac Jones there, which I, I don't know if Brian Flores and the Dolphins would go in the Alabama quarterback 
happen again after what's happened with Tua. And who knows if they even take a quarterback? Because like you talked about, they were 10-6 and six last year. They were really close. But I, I, it's so weird because they're in this spot where I actually love the idea of taking a quarterback there because of what they've done for themselves the next three years. Because you add Trey Lance to the equation now, perhaps. Let, let's just say that's the guy that falls to them. If Pitts gets taken at four, Sewell gets taken at five, and Lance is waiting for them at six, you're in a position where you didn't waste a pick on a quarterback, perhaps with Tua, even though theoretically in mind you did waste a pick, but you have so many picks over the next three years that it doesn't even really matter that much. Like, yes, obviously you probably would have wanted to go a different direction than Tua at six if you're going with Lance, but if you look at where they're at right now. They pick at 18 again this year. And then they have multiple first round picks for the next two years because of this trade with the Niners that they're actually in a great spot to add pieces on top to of what they already have. So if they don't think two is the guy, I think you have to go quarterback at six because I don't know if they're going to get a better spot going forward to take one than where they're at right now. I also think they have to ask themselves to what extent are they confident into it because if the answer is not sure i think that's probably a no and you, you have to remember too I'll, I'll just throw this out there Devonte smith shortly after he won the heisman was asked which quarterback at alabama was better tua or mac jones and he said without hesitation mac jones now me personally i would also have allegiance to the guy who got me the heisman trophy but that's what he said. He worked very closely with both. I will say the one hesitation with Mac Jones, if, if it's Mac Jones, is he played in literally the perfect scheme last year. I don't know if I've ever seen a better scheme in college football. I mean, he would throw to, to Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy winner, was wide open so many times when, when that's the guy that the defense needs to stop. And he would still be just wide open, ton of space. Like, they would scheme him open. It was brilliant what Steve Sarkeesian did last year at Alabama. Just outstanding. So, when he doesn't have that level of separation with those guys in the NFL, and he won't because that's the NFL, how does he adjust? I think that's the question to ask. On the other hand, with Trey Lance, I mean, that's an unprecedented evaluation because you have not seen him in a long time. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, there's a lot of tough questions to ask, and it's it's just as murky if you take a quarterback, whereas if you don't, you know, you've got questions with Tua, and you've got questions if you take a quarterback. So again, it's a tough call. You know, it's I, I will say that it is a little unfair to Tua because when the Arizona Cardinals took Josh Rosen and then they took Kyler Murray, you know, they had the number one pick and they were figuring out what to do. And they ultimately decided on Kyler Murray because, hey, that's a generational talent. And we were talking about Kyler Murray as an MVP candidate last year. So, obviously, that was the right decision. Um, Tua, to me, has not been you know as bad as Josh Rosen was with the Cardinals. I mean, part of it was he never had a chance, but also he was just really bad. <laughs> Tua, Tua has been at least confident. Not having talent certainly factors into that. But yeah, continue. that was absolutely part of it. But what I'm saying is the guy you take at six, you better be confident in that that could be better than Tua Tagovailoa. And I'm not sure if there is a guy at six 
that you could say that about. So for me, I may be more inclined to stay with them and maybe get them some weapons, but they do kind of hold some keys here, and I'll be interested to see what they do. I don't think they're going to take a quarterback, but I don't think it's off the table either. That quote about Mac Jones is really interesting from Devontae Smith too, because I, I, it's hard to evaluate Alabama quarterbacks just in general, because not only do you have to factor in what they have in front of them, but you, I think it is very important to factor in the history of what has happened with quarterbacks at Alabama in the NFL. And long story short, it's not good. It's quite bad, to be honest. Very so. Cool. Yeah, like, like we don't we don't even have to go down this road because it, it's a never ending road for Alabama quarterbacks in the league. So I'm in, I'm really interested to see where the Dolphins go because even though it's the Falcons that really are the ones that will kind of determine how this draft wiggles out, I, I think that the Dolphins could make a lot of noise at six. And I think it says a lot that they moved back into the top 10 after trading back to 12 in this draft specifically. I think that potentially could say a lot. Quickly, before we wrap up, I I just want to pose this question to you because this is something that um, I have a pretty firm belief on. And it it involves the two best wide receivers in this draft, Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase. If you're taking one receiver – from this draft, say you have to take a receiver. Are you taking Smith over Chase, or is it the other way around for you? It's again the, the evaluation being tough. We were just talking about it with the quarterbacks. I mean, Chase yeah. didn't play last year. Um, I would probably take Chase. I, I think it's to me, it's not necessarily clear cut. But again, you know, we, we're talking about the Alabama scheme. Well, Devontae Smith benefited from that too. And and Jamar Chase did in 2019. Like, don't get me wrong. Uh, he, he benefited from having a great scheme, one, and two, having Joe Burrow just drop it in the bucket every time he threw a go route. Like, that's absolutely part yeah. of it. He's a bigger receiver. You know, he, he's, um, he can go up and get it in tight coverage. I have more faith in him doing that than I would with Devontae Smith. Don't get me wrong. I think Smith will be really good for somebody. You know, I, I kind of look at it like, um, you know, Justin Jefferson with the, the Vikings last year. Like everybody was sitting there going, yeah, if somebody gets him late in the first round, he'll be really good. It, it's the same with Devontae Smith. Like to me, they're kind of similar receivers. Smith is small and that's part of it as well, but he'll be a really good slot guy for somebody, whoever winds up taking him. Um, I would, if it were me, I would take Chase. I, I think Smith will probably go off first just because of the season he had last year. That's a big part of it. But for me, I really like Jamar Chase. And and I think, you know, not playing last year could hurt him in the draft process. But to me, I kind of take that out because, well, let's face it, there were a lot of opt-outs in college football last year. So I'm not going to hold that against him just because he did. So I would take Chase, but I think it's pretty close. I think Chase is by far the better prospect, personally. Um, I mean, you look at what he did in 2019. Yes, Devontae Smith. Like, there's, I'm not taking anything away from Devontae Smith because I think he's awesome. Uh, you look at the year he had last year. A lot of it, like you said, based off scheme, but incredibly talented, tons of speed, can play the slot better than anyone in college football last year and can also play the outside too. But you look at what Jamar chased in 2019. 
that that's one of the best college wide receivers I've ever evaluated. And to me, probably the best since Julio Jones at Alabama. Like that's how good Jamar Chase was to me. And like he's big, he can physically beat you. And then on top of that, he runs a 4-4-40. Like that's a heck of, that's how impressive to me. Um so like if I'm a if I'm a team that needs a wide receiver, there's a ton of good ones in this draft too. Like I mean, I think there's a pretty decent argument that Jalen Waddle is perhaps as good of a prospect as Devontae Smith. And if Jalen Waddle doesn't get hurt this year, I think we are having that conversation right now. But the injury happened and we just haven't seen a ton of them this year. And it, it was a pretty bad injury and props to him for playing for some reason that I will never understand essentially playing with what was a broken leg or broken ankle. I think it was whatever. I, yeah. Broke broken ankle. I'm pretty sure. But I mean, I, I think we're legitimately having that conversation. If Jalen model doesn't get hurt, I think Jamar chase is clear is a clear cut tier one. Like to me, he has separated himself from Devonte Smith as much as Trevor Lawrence has separated himself from the rest of the quarterback back. That's how high I am on Jamar Chase. So I just wanted to say that personally, I think he's going to be instantaneously one of the best receivers in the NFL and, and not seeing him last year didn't really impact for me. And yes, he, he benefited from having a lot of talent around him as well. Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, Terrence Marshall, Thaddeus Moss, like the list goes on and on. But I think he has the tools more equipped to succeed in the NFL than really any receiver I've seen since Julio Jones. So we'll see what happens. But it should be a fun one. Jimmy, always fun talking with you, buddy. It, it really is. It's, it's been a while. And um, the draft should be fun. It's coming up soon. And that'll do it for this week's edition of NFL Friday. But once again, from Jimmy Sullivan. Our producer, Mike Messina, I'm Jackson Isle. NFL Friday is always a production of WFUB Sports.